Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Hi, and welcome to episode number 248 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Today, we're going to be focusing on how to hit confidently in matches. And we're going to talk about the mental tools needed and also the, the technical tools needed to be able to do that. Before we jump right into today's question, I want to remind you about tennispracticeplan.com. Most tennis players waste their time on the practice court by just hitting. They just hit balls back and forth. There's very little purpose behind what they're doing. There's very little focus. And as a result, they get very little result out of the time and the effort that they put in, which is too bad. So if you go to tennispracticeplan.com, you'll be able to put in your email address and immediately get sent a step-by-step plan that you can follow the very next time that you walk out onto the tennis court. It'll bring focus and purpose to every ball that you hit the next time that you step out onto the court. So go check that out. Today's question comes to us from Robert, Robert Morrow. He wrote to me, I believe this was a YouTube comment, and said, your interesting lesson on beating pushers leads me in the opposite direction. I hit out with great strokes in practice hitting sessions, but revert to pushing the ball and waiting for my opponent to miss when I get to competition. How do I stop being a pusher when the pressure is on? Robert, that's a great question, very honest question. Not very many people openly admit to playing the pusher, or rather being the pusher on the court. It's such a uh, <laughs> such a loaded term for tennis players and a, a style of opponent that most tennis players really, really loathe. So kudos to you for re- realizing that you've fallen into that kind of rut of play. And there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. In fact, the first thing I want to talk about is the fact that you don't. You want to be careful not to lose those tools that you've developed. Don't lose your consistency. Don't lose that high percentage mentality and style of play. Don't lose your hustle and your willingness to just kind of grind out points. Those are really important assets. And there's a lot of tennis players listening to my voice right now that would kill for that ability to be able to just hang in there, put a lot of balls in play, and just cause their opponents to eventually miss and and win matches that way. There's a lot of tennis players that don't even have that as a skill set. So I'd like to encourage you, Robert, to maintain your ability to, to do that, to just outlast opponents when the time is right when it's necessary to do that. Uh, a good friend of mine in college, if, you, if you've listened to a lot of these episodes, you've probably heard me say this before, a friend of mine in college used to say, there's another name for pushers, and that's winners. These are players that just seem to have a knack for knowing how to get the ball in play one more time. And that's why they're so universally despised is because they w- they win a lot of matches. If pushers lost most of their matches, then everybody would love playing pushers, but it's it's the opposite. Now, that being said, you can only get so far in tennis on consistency alone. If the, and I, Robert, I believe, has identified this or else he wouldn't have taken the time to submit this question to me in the first place. If all you have is consistency, then you'll be very, very limited. There'll be a, a very real glass ceiling to the level of play that you can realistically achieve. 
At some point, you have to be able to add offense to your base skills of consistency and reliability. And if you do that, then you'll, you'll really be cooking. If you layer those two things together, high level of consistency, high shot tolerance, and weapons, then you're going to be a really solid player. And this is basically how we get up into stronger 4-0 and definitely 4-5 and 5-0 level play. Going by the NTRP rating system here in the U.S., 4-5 and, and 5-0 players and above make up just about 5% or so of tennis players. We're talking about the top 5%, maybe 10% of tennis players have the ability to do both. They can be steady. They can just put the ball in play if they want, but then they also have the ability to pull the trigger when the time is right and hit offensively. If you think about the best player at your local courts, the player or players that everybody looks up to kind of with envy because they just ha seem to have the full package. They have a fully well-rounded game. This is what they have the ability to do. I mean, if you picture that player in your mind, you can just see them effortlessly rallying shot after shot, not really looking ever pressured or, or rushed or off balance and can just put the ball in play reliably. But then also just kind of seems to have the ability to suddenly accelerate really forcefully and hit really aggressively. And this is basically what players like uh, Djokovic and, and Murray, how they make their living, albeit at a very, very incredibly high level of skill and, uh, and talent, is they have the ability to outlast or, if necessary, pull the trigger, and they've got big weapons as well. And it's that double whammy that's incredibly difficult to beat at all levels, at all, all different levels of tennis. So there's two things that you need, Robert and everybody else uh, listening. Tool number one is mental. We need the mental tools. And confidence is kind of the, the big overarching word that I would use to describe this, but it breaks down into a lot of little things. And it's important to realize that the confidence or mental toughness in general is a skill. It's not a talent that you're either born with or you're not. And some people are just meant, it seems like that on, on the outside, that some people are mentally tough and just seem to have that self-confidence. And some people don't, and you either have it or you don't. It can be a little bit discouraging sometimes uh, if you feel like you don't have that. But the reality is it is a skill that can be developed by learning the right attitudes, learning the right mental approach to competition, learning more about yourself and, and what's going on inside of your own head and be more aware of it. And most importantly, putting in the repetitions and getting the experience. If you shy away from competition, even if you study the things I talked about, attitudes, uh, mental approach, and being more, more self-aware of your own thoughts and your own reactions to different situations, even if you do all that, it's just like anything else. You can watch a thousand forehand videos on how to hit a forehand like Roger Federer, but if you don't go onto the court and you actually put in the repetitions, then yeah, the knowledge is in there, but if, without application, what's the point? And so you have to put yourself enough times through pressure situations where you put in the repetitions after, after educating yourself and getting the knowledge on how to deal with these situations effectively. You have to also put in the repetitions so that you can build experience and slowly build your confidence level and your ability to, um, your ability to respond in an effective manner when things really matter the most. So you can actually transfer your skills over from practice. 
without developing the tool of mental toughness, technical tools are basically useless. What's the point of putting in 10,000 repetitions against a ball machine and getting to the point where you have an awesome forehand in practice if when you go into a match, you just revert back to pushing the ball over? There's not much point in that unless you're totally satisfied just being an amazing practice court player. If you're totally satisfied being an amazing practice court player, then more power to you. But Robert is is not satisfied or else he wouldn't wouldn't have taken the time to actually answer or ask this question of me. So this first tool is critical. And if you're looking for some guidance on this, Robert, go to mentaltennismastery.com. You'll be able to put your email address in there and get a free series of videos from myself and a peak performance expert, coach, author, speaker, by the name of Ed Sang, I highly recommend that you go check that out. And you can get the tools needed there, specifically uh, packaged for tennis players. Now, the second big piece of the puzzle that we need is the technical tools. You know, mental toughness is great, but it can only get you so far. Without the technical tools, you can't physically impart the force on the ball, the forces on the ball that we need to be able to create offense and actually break away from those defensive responses when you're in uh, competition. So a couple of the technical tools that we need, and then I'll give you a resource, a free resource for this as well. Uh, Number one is racket head speed. We need acceleration of the racket and from once we have the ability to accelerate the racket, we can turn that energy into either power or spin or a combination of both. And this only happens by using the entire body effectively and efficiently, using the body from the ground up by using the kinetic chain correctly, by coiling and uncoiling the body in a powerful way, and by using the body in the correct sequence and in the correct order. If any one of those things break down, you can still hit a ball hard, but all of a sudden you have to try to really uh, muscle it or put a lot of effort in to get a little bit of effort out. When the body is really used together correctly and efficiently, then the potential for power in spin out really skyrockets. And you can start to be able to create what Maybe you've heard uh, the term easy power. And I asked you before to kind of picture that best player at your local courts that everybody looks up to. More than likely, when you picture that court, you see him or her swinging without uh, conceivably much effort in, but getting a whole lot of result out. And that's only possible by using the body correctly together. So full use of the body is key. And then looseness of body, staying relaxed. There are a lot of players out there who use their entire body, but it's in a very tight, tense manner, and that just sucks energy out of the resulting shots. You might feel like you're working hard on the way in, but on the way out, you do not get the result that you should. So using the entire body and doing so while staying relaxed, both really critical technical keys, and doing those things together is what results in big racket head speed. And the other big thing that we need, Robert, is the correct swing path. We're speaking generally basically here about ground strokes, and the resource that I'm going to give you is ground stroke based. Uh, 
sounded like you were a singles player here, so I'm, I'm kind of keeping that in mind while I give this answer. And so the, really the basis of singles for the vast majority of players is ground stroke based. And, and so that's what I'm focusing on when talking about creating offense. So swing path is big because without the right swing path, you won't be able to shape your shots. The only way to hit harder without sacrificing consistency, because ultimately that's what we want, is we want both. Yes, we want high percentage play, and that's how you've been earning your wins up until now is exclusively through that. But if we can keep that, if we can maintain that consistency and hit the ball aggressively, then we're really cooking with gasoline. Now we've really got something that can be explosive and can really skyrocket you to the next level or next several levels beyond. So the only way to do that is by being able to curve the ball. And the only way to do that is to hit past the ball instead of through it. Old school way of hitting the ball from the baseline was very linear, very horizontal or parallel to the court surface, very straightforward directly towards our target. And more modern swings are much more circular and there's a more angular momentum taking place. And when we know how to harness that correctly, the resulting shot mirrors or mimics the shape of our swing. So if we have a very vertical swing towards the ball as opposed to horizontal, then the ball starts to get lifted into the air and the top spin that that imparts brings the ball back down. Now we have an arc to our shot and so we can clear the net by more while still being able to accelerate aggressively and keep the ball in play. And I mean, if I had to pick just one thing from the baseline that really separates uh, success from one level to the next, like from 3-0 to 4-0, which is a big jump, uh, a big part of it, 3-5 to 4-5, again, big jump, but a huge part of this is the ability to curve ground strokes so that you don't have to slow down to gain consistency. When you have the ability to shape your shots and curve your shots, you can actually accelerate faster and gain consistency. And that's when big results are really possible as far as having a solid base of, of uh, reliability and also being able to attack at the same time. So uh, my resource for this, Robert, if you go to YouTube and you go to the search bar and you type in essential tennis forehand, just those three words, essential tennis forehand and click search. The first result is going to be our YouTube channel, and then results two, three, and four are a series of three videos that we published earlier this year, that I think in July, that have a combined over 600,000 views now. And one of them is focused on creating power on ground strokes, on the forehand specifically. And that talks about everything that I discussed having to do with racket head speed. And another one of those videos focuses on topspin. And it goes into quite a bit of detail on everything related to curving the ball, which I talked about just a second ago. So YouTube search for essential tennis forehand. Those are your, there's three videos there. Highly recommend you watch those. Those are your resources for technical tools. And if you go to mentaltennismastery.com, that is your resource for the confidence side of the equation, the mental toughness tools. And also don't forget uh, what I talked about right at the beginning, tennispracticeplan.com, 
and give you a step-by-step practice plan so that you don't waste any more of your time on the courts, either with a ball machine or against the wall or, or with a partner or with a teammate. So go check those things out. Before I sign off for today, I want to say thank you to everybody who downloaded episode 247. After about a six-month break from the podcast, we uploaded last Friday, and I, I checked the stats on Monday uh, after being home for the weekend and saw over 1,000 downloads over the weekend, which totally blew me away. So I want to say thank you for uh, everybody. Uh, thank you to everybody for your patience, for continuing to stay subscribed to the Essential Tennis Podcast, uh, to this feed, even though it's been dormant on and off, mainly off for the last uh, year or so. Really appreciate you sticking with me, and uh, I will do my best to keep this streak going. Two episodes in a row now, going to keep that going, uh, shooting for uh, every Friday, and uh, it's my goal to continue to make these as helpful and inspiring and motivating as possible so you can reach that next level of your game. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to, talk to you again next week. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and good luck with your tennis.